Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So for today, something I've been sort of, has been rattling around in my head for the last few weeks that I thought would be an interesting topic for the show is separating and understanding that there are... Pro- when I think about it, I think there's three sort of distinct groups um, of people that we should be thinking about and... Um, concerning ourselves with in the development of our app. And, and those three groups are our customers, our audience, and our critics. And each of those groups are very distinct in terms of the impact and the uh, sort of the importance that we should be giving to them and the way in which that they should impact our development process and our the, the things that we're like the things that we, we pay attention to and the way that we choose what features to work on and the choose even the apps that we choose to decide and make because they all have very distinct characters and this is certainly a situation where they're you know like you imagine some kind of Venn diagram where there's an overlap for a particular app or a particular you know person or developer for how those sort of all play together but they all have a very sort of distinct character. Um, and so the first one, and the most, sort of the most obvious one, is our customers. And our customers are the group of the sort of the group of individuals who are the people who are using our app, who are supporting us, who are um, you know giving us ultimately sort of in some ways saying like this is the core group of people who use who use what we make, and from them we derive our income, and whether that's directly via you know they're paying us or them you know, looking at ads that we show in our applications or whatever that may be. There's a group of people who are the day-to-day users of our applications who, you know, are the sort of essentially the bread and butter, the core, sort of the core group of people who make being an app developer work. Um, The next group of people in some ways is our audience. And this is, it's a slightly funny thing to get into, but in some ways it's like the audience is the people that we, um, or, you know, it's like either our, our company or us as individuals, if we're independent developers, have... Um, have influence over or who a group of people who care about us individually. Um, and they're aware, you know, like they know our name and they might know our story and they care about what we do. And they might, you know, it's like classic things would be like, they follow you on social media and are interested in what you have to say. And, um, but they're potentially distinct from the customers and the users of your products. You know, so someone could be part of your audience who cares about you as a person or as a company, but isn't necessarily someone who um, is a user of your of what it is you make. In the same way that like people might be interested in SpaceX and the rockets that they send into space, but they're not going out and actually buying rockets and sending them into space. Like there's a difference there between the audience of SpaceX and the customers of SpaceX. And the same thing applies to, you know, any organization who's trying to make something. Uh, and then lastly is the, what I was, I was, the best word I could come up with it was our critics. These are, and these are people who potentially might be um, part of our audience or part of our customer base. Um, but I think it's useful and important to differentiate them from the other two groups um, because these are people who are, um, who aren't necessarily looking for um, our best interests, who are sort of, there's a a group of people that the more I've been doing this, that seems like it continues and will always be there, who are trying to find the problems rather than trying to find the solutions. And they are looking 
at what you're doing, in some ways, it's like they're the antithesis of your audience, who are typically people who are looking um, who, are, who are looking for the best of what you do. Um, there's a group of people who will often be looking for the worst of what you do and trying to find it and trying to point it out to you and to the world. And it is an awkward group of people to interact with because feedback is sometimes useful and is sometimes uh, an important part of development to get feedback back. But there's a big difference, I find, between the people who are just complaining to complain or are trying to you know, sort of tear you down and work, you know, sort of, sort of rather than build up and trying to be constructive in what you're doing, which is something that you would often see from your audience or your customers. This is a group of people who um, is trying to just sort of do the opposite. And they're trying to work, you know, so it's like say that your products are bad or you're bad um, or whatever it may be. And those three groups of people um, have, can have a wildly kind of varied and sort of significant impact on you and what you do. And I find, I think, that in my development, the times in which I have focused most on just like one at the exclusion of the other um, is where I start to get into trouble. And especially what I found, and this is where this is sort of why this has bubbled to the surface for me more recently, is that I think it is easy to get sucked into the trap of focusing on your critics, who are typically the loudest sort of or people who are reaching out to you, um, your audience, who are people who it's like it's positive and it's aff- it's affirming, but they're you know that you might be reaching out to or having interactions with you know an email and support or in social media or whatever that might be, but they those two groups, which might be the loudest, most sort of obvious places to get feedback, may or may not actually be your customers, and the more you understand that your customer base is a different group of people, potentially, um, the better, I think, the products you can make. And that's something that I've been having to sort of rationalize recently is how my audience is largely um, like Apple people, it's like either people who are Apple fans or iOS developers. Like that is the primary people for whom I have some amount of sort of reach and sort of obvious connection to. But those people are not really or necessarily my main customers. You know, the prim- my primary customer base is, I think, more typical everyday users of iPhones who are interested in tracking their health and fitness. And some of those people are part of my audience, but those two groups are very different and they care about different things. So, for example, when I'm thinking about iOS 13 and like some of the more nuanced, like kind of pushing the hedge features in iOS 13, my audience might really care about that. It might actually be something that they think is really sort of important and cool, but my customer base may not actually care about that. And if I sp- if I sort of gear myself up and spend a lot of time working on features that my audience cares about, but my customer base doesn't, I'm setting myself up for problems down the road. So anyway, that's sort of my long-winded way of saying this. But anyway, this is sort of what I've been thinking about, Marco. What do you think? Does that seem like a reasonable three groups of people? Oh, absolutely. And I think... And you know you've given a great summary here of like a lot of the challenges and distinctions here. One of the hardest things I think for an independent programmer like us is deciding what to tackle, what to work on, what's important, what's not, what's what's working in the app, and what's not. Like you know what what's succeeding as a feature or a design, and what's not. And it's one of the reasons that's so difficult to ascertain these things and to make choices based on this is that, as you mentioned, the, these groups don't have a lot of overlap necessarily. Uh, and so, and, but you hear 
dramatically different amounts of feedback from them. So, you know, we, we have, it, it's so easy, and our brains are kind of wired to react harshly or strongly or to put a lot of weight on input from critics. But as you mentioned, like, not only are critics not necessarily even your customers all of the time, but they tend to represent a very small portion of your customer base. Most of my customers, I never hear from. They don't know me. I don't know them. They never write in. They never give any feedback. They never leave reviews. The vast majority of my of the users of my app don't ever interact with me at all or try to or give any kind of feedback at all. So, you know, the, if, if you hear from, you know, it's called you know, the silent majority. If you hear from critics, you know, here or there about, you know, certain features being a problem or certain opinions that they have or certain designs not being intuitive or, you know, they, they need you to do this one feature to make them happy or whatever else. That is valuable input. And sometimes it does represent a lot of people's opinions who aren't writing to you. You know, it's like for every person who writes in, there's, you know, 10 other people who are having the same problem and never wrote to you or whatever the number is, right? So that is input that you need to consider. But it's also really important to realize that the number of people you hear from are not a representative random sample. That there are lots of people who you hear from who have opinions that you will never hear or that you will hear in much smaller numbers than, than what their uh, ratio would, would imply. While, the, while critics bring up valuable points, and you should listen to them, what's difficult to ascertain from their feedback is how important it is for you to do this. How should you prioritize what you do? What, what things are really being a problem? What things are, are important enough to tackle now rather than down the road or never? Uh, that is what's really hard to judge. By having these three groups be separate and, and by having – by only by hearing very different amounts of feedback from them, it's so hard to decide what's important and what's not. What needs to be, uh, you know, a sooner rather than later priority, and what doesn't, and that leads to all sorts of problems. I mean, I I fall into this trap all the time, where like the features that I choose to do, or the things I work on, or whatever, you know, like like all the effort I I put into all like the offline watch playback, because. Offline watch playback is something that most people don't need and don't use and will never use even when I put it in. Uh, but I heard from the people who wanted it every single day. And eventually I, you know, I, I took, I spent probably a total between the various revisions of it, probably eight months of development time on that feature. And it's really unimportant to my app. It, it really, it, it was not worth the amount of time I put into it. And yet I'm still going to do it again. I'm, I'm going to rewrite my watch app again <laughs> and make it even better this time, even though no one's going to use it, just, just like all the previous ones. But I, I want to do it for myself because I want like the pride of having done a good job. I want it to work for the handful of people who I hear from every day who say it doesn't work for them. Uh, you know, I, I want it to work better. I want it to be good. But one, one good uh, anecdote or, or at least help to these to these like you know communication asymmetries is data this is why you know analytics have gotten so popular <laughs> in the industry and while i don't advise or condone uh third-party analytics solutions it is quite easy and trivial to build your own and you don't need to get super fancy with it i didn't my analytics 
are ugly and they're based on a very simple, you know, data schema. And I don't have many, you know, pretty graphs or anything. I have a couple of like simple pie charts from some library I found three years ago. And, you know, it's very, very simple analytics. Yours are even simpler, I think. Yeah. Although yours are prettier than mine. But, uh, but you know, like the, the way you can track stuff is like, you know, if you make requests to your server, uh, just, you know, be able to add a dictionary and have the app add, add dictionary keys to it based on like how many people used feature X today. And you don't, you know, you don't need to track very much. You, you know, you can track as little as possible about people and you should track as little as possible about people. Um, because what you're really looking for is large decision-making numbers like that. Like you don't need to know, you know, how many people do I have in New York? You, you don't need to know that. Uh, but you might need to know how many people do you have that have their phone locale set to English or another language or whatever. You know, like that, that's the kind of stuff you want to know. You also might want to know like how many people, you know, how many people in the last week have used this feature that I think is really important. Because if it's if it ends up being like you know one percent of your user base, maybe that feature is not so important, and maybe you need to devote time to other things. You know, I've I've learned all sorts of stuff from analytics, like you know various things like. Um, I, I, I collect analytics on the percentage of various shared destinations that get used. So I can tell things like messages is my most commonly used shared destination. It's not posting things publicly. It's sharing things privately. That is by far the most popular shared destination for Overcast, both link and clip sharing. And it's really useful to know that. Because when I first designed clip sharing, I was I was prioritizing Instagram as like this is going to be where everyone shares these, and that's why I made the vertical video and everything. And yeah, it turns out almost nobody does that, and almost everyone's sharing things privately. <laughs> and so that's some that's important information to to learn about features and everything. So like I feel like data can help you. Basic analytics like that about who about you know how many people are using these features, what's important, what's not. I, I like things like how many people who use Overcast even have an Apple Watch paired. And how many of those have the app installed? And then how many of those have the complication enabled? That's really good information. and Because then that, that helps me allocate my resources to say what's actually important. And then if I hear somebody saying, oh, I really want you know, this you know, feature X to be better, but then I look and I see almost no one uses it, that meanwhile I have a problem that I need to solve on a different feature that I can see like 40% of my users use, I should do that first. That's where I should put the priority. So this this is how I, I think like I think it's important for developers to be able to back up our like our gut feelings or our anecdotes about you know what we see on you know Twitter and email and everything like like to be able to balance that out with something that's more neutral that can more accurately help us distinguish what are the needs of our actual customers versus what are we just hearing about from our critics. Yeah, I found like too, there's such a human element in this where I was just thinking about how disproportionately I tend to weight the feedback I get based on the medium by which I receive it. Like I get an, to say I'm whatever, I'm at WWDC talking to someone and they mention something that they want that or a, a frustration they have or something that they, you know, something that they would like to see in the app that will stick with me and become something that I like have in my mind. Oh, I need to do this. Or even worse, if it's like a friend or a family member or something, someone who I like know and care about, um, who talks about something and this a feature that they want and they need, or they care about, like I will weight that very high. 
even though they, it's like, and it's like they're in, in, in my sort of like three, three buckets, like they're part of my audience potentially. Like they, I mean, that, that view is potentially not just uh, representative of what, you know, what would be good or beneficial for my customer base at large. But, you know, it's like, and then the next level is maybe people who uh, reach out via email or then like people who reach out via sort of Twitter or social media and whatever that might look like. Um, or then you have maybe like the app store reviews, like it's like the lowest level of sort of import there impact that it has. Um, but it's just fascinating how the human impact of that can be so different. Where like in my mind, if you know, if, if I get 10 emails in a row of, so, of people saying this one thing is, you know, like they don't like, I may like my immediate sort of feeling and like what I start to sort of emotionally feel is like, oh man, nobody likes this feature. Everything's broken for everybody. Um, but then to your point, the important thing is to then remind myself, it's like, this is 10 people out of, you know, hopefully thousands or hundreds of thousands or whatever the, you know, the customer base of your app is, um, who are like you're encountering this problem. And obviously like that's a potentially a, a you know, there, there may be more people who have the share of that opinion, but by and large, what I find is that the reality is the majority of people are fine and are happy and are often I think importantly too is to remind myself that most of our customer bases use our apps in the most basic, straightforward um, way. That you know they use Overcast just to listen to podcasts, and they're not using any of its more sophisticated or fancy features. Or if they are, they're not really aware or like why they're doing it. It's just someone recommended the app. They they put it on their phone or like they, they search podcast in the app store and they saw it and they downloaded it or, you know, they just want to count their steps and I can add features that may have benefit to some people. And like, that's great. But my core customer base, the people who ultimately, and it probably most importantly, like they're the people who are ultimately making my business viable may not care about these features. Um, I may never hear, and like awkwardly, we never, we may never hear from the group of the, or, you know, the part of our, like the, the section of people who are most vital and most important for our app being viable long-term and you know, continuing our business being viable. We may never hear from them. And I think it's just, it's always that important thing to like check myself that it's like, do I want to do this or do I have this feeling because of, you know, someone who reached out to me in a very direct way. Or is this something that I'm basing, like you said, on analytics or on um, our own sense of design or those types of things that are much more intrinsic to our experience and to what we're trying to make? Um, or are we just making sort of emotional decisions? Because as, whenever I start to make things or make changes or decisions based on my critics um, or my audience, I, I find that more often than not, I'm ended up making a choice that is not necessarily bad, but is not necessarily optimal for my actual customer base. We are brought to you this week by App Lookout. If you're an app developer, the last thing you want is someone uploading something to the App Store that violates your trademark. What's worse is that actively defending your trademark gets more difficult if you haven't been actively policing its misuse. But you're busy like all of us, so scouring the App Store for violations is not something you want to add to your to-do list. This is why you need App Lookout. App Lookout will automatically monitor all of the App Stores for you, iOS, Mac, tvOS, Google Play, and they send you email alerts when apps are found that may be violating your trademark. The email contains all the information about the offending apps and easy links to report them either to Apple or Google. You can even use it to monitor a keyword or your app name even if you don't own a registered trademark. 
So this is really useful. I, I'm going to check it out myself, honestly, because I have trademarks and I care a lot about them. And you, you, do, you have to enforce trademarks or you risk losing them. So this is, I'm definitely going to check this out after the show. So App Lookout, it's a service created by an, indi- by an indie developer like us for other indie developers. There's a 30-day free trial. So there's no reason not to try it out. You'll get an initial report, then a summary and ranking email for your trademark, as well as email alerts immediately when possible violations are found. So if you're an app developer, check this out. Go to applookout.net slash radar right now. That'll get you $20 off. That's applookout.net slash radar for $20 off. Our thanks to App Lookout for their support of Under the Radar and all of Relay FM. So one quick thing I wanted to add to what you were just saying, that you know, that you mentioned your your own inherent sense of design and and priority as like one of the factors you need to consider here. And I, I just wanted to, you know, plant the thought in our heads of like, there's a period of time when you're making the very first version of an app where you haven't heard feedback yet. So you've, you had effectively zero feedback. Maybe you might have run the idea by a few friends or maybe a few beta testers, but you've had effectively zero feedback. You've made the app from nothing into the 1.0 without hearing from anybody. And people came to the app for that. Like, any app that, is, that has gotten traction, has gotten a user base, has gotten that in large part because of decisions and, and feelings and skills that you put into it before you had any feedback from anybody. So don't forget to also trust yourself and what you think is the right thing to do because a big part of why people are there in the first place is what you did before you heard from a single person. Yeah, no, I think that, that, that is a very good reminder. And I think it's the importance, too, of understanding that in many ways, the most, like, I think in order to be be a good developer who's making apps that, like, will ultimately have long-term success is you have to be your own customer. Like, you, you have to be making it, like, you have to be making, be able, in a position where you can make choices about what is good for the app and what will make the app better. Um, because if you aren't your own customer in that way, like and you start to be making decisions based on what other people are wanting like it you lose focus you lose a sense of vision you lose a sense of you like cohesiveness within your application and like that becomes problematic but i think it's a good reminder it's like yeah most it's like that the reason most people came to the app was because of what it was that you made not um you know which is something intrinsic to you and hopefully the distinctiveness that you brought to the app is what's useful and what is important to your customers so like that's that's an important thing to do and if you try and make an app based on random people yelling at you on the internet um and responding to responding to their feedback in that way like it's never it's never going to go well and it's never going to go anywhere really probably right and and that's it's very important then to distinguish like are you hearing like if you're hearing uh, a certain type of criticism or or request from a group of people like are they actually your customers or not because if you put something out there and it gets traction, and and it's and it actually is developing a user base. And somebody says, "Hey, I'm using this app. I love it, or whatever. I use it every day. It would be a lot easier for me if if you made this change, or whatever." If somebody else says, "You know, I would use your app if only it did this," the latter person doesn't use your app. They're not one of your customers, and it's you have two very very different needs here. One need is like you already have a certain number of customers and it would make their life better or they would like it a little bit better if, if change X happened. Another group says, I'm not your customer, but 
I would be, which by the way has has a another word inserted it what what it really means is I might become your customer <laughs> if you just did this thing I want. They're not your customers though. And it's a really tricky balance. You you could argue like why invest more time into pleasing people you already got? And you could say, you know, don't I need to attract more customers? But for people who are not your current customers, they've all they've decided at that point not to use your app yet. And they're saying, well, I would, I would change my mind if you did this thing. That's a really weak input. It, it's, it is an input you have to consider because it is useful to know why people choose not to use your app. But the, it's, it's important to take only very high-level lessons from those kind of requests. Don't get into all the nitty-gritty and the specifics because chances are you're dealing with only high-level problems at that point. Like People aren't choosing not to use your app because... Uh, the icon's orange they don't like orange like that's a, that's you're never gonna get those people <laughs> right like if it's small stuff like that but if people are saying like i'm i didn't use your app because it's paid up front and that's too expensive for me and you know that's that's valuable input at least uh you know but you know it, it's really important to try to apply perspective to the kind of input you're getting from people who aren't even your customers yeah and i think too i mean just sort of to, to wrap this up is the i think it is vitally important to understand what this Venn diagram looks like for you and for what it is that you're making that what are what are you what is your customer base and what is your audience and who are the people who are your critics and are to what degree do those circles overlap because the nature of what you're doing and what you're making um, will be dramatic very very strongly impacted by that so, so sort of the, the, the degree to which those overlap. So if I'm an iOS developer and I'm making a tool for iOS developers, my audience, the people who might follow me or care about me from a iOS development perspective, who are you know, interested in my thoughts on Swift or on the latest beta or whatever that might be, like those people may actually, you know, if they're my customer base and those two things overlap dramatically, like that's interesting. And that's important to know that like I can, in some ways that's useful um, as a point of leverage for you know, marketing your application for uh, initially trying to gain traction for it. That if you can, you know, if you have an audience for whatever it is, and doesn't you know, in my case, it's iOS development, but whatever it is, you may have an audience for other reasons, um, and being able to use that and leverage it, especially initially, is important. But it's also important to understand that there's a very good chance that those two things are totally separate, um, and as a result, like you need to not get like not be making choices or thinking too much about the people that you interact with on a day-to-day basis if those people are not actually your customer base like and it's kind of a weird thing in some ways that i think that other than i'm trying to think i think calzones is probably the the app i've made that has the largest overlap between my audience and my customer base in the sense that it's a tool that is made that is you know used my you know office workers primarily who are involved in sort of like multinational development work or, or you know, c- c- commercial work, which is a reasonable overlap with, you know, people who are iOS developers. Like those two things overlap dramatically. Um, but all the rest of my apps, there's not an organiz- there's not a connection there. But the voices I keep hearing are from people who aren't my customers. And that's an important thing to, rem- to remind myself on. And right now, I think what I found is really reassuring is I'm, you know, it's like I, as I'm scoping my choices for iOS 13 or watchOS 6 or whatever that might be, it is very important that I keep putting on my, you know, it's like, it's like rather than thinking with the, my audience hat, my iOS developers, Apple nerd 
folks. It's like, that's not the hat that is most interesting to wear when I'm thinking about planning features or prioritizing things. I should be focused on my customers who, for whatever that might be, and I have kind of like a vague sense of what that is based on just like the general feedback I get. But if I base my choices on my customer base, I'm likely going to grow my customer base. And that's the important thing. That's the, the group of people that if they grow, my business grows and is important. If I make choices that might uh, please and encourage my audience, my audience might grow. Like I may have more followers on Twitter or I may have more you know, subscribers to my blog. But in many ways, that is lovely, but only for my ego. Like it's nice to have like feel like you have you, like you have a big voice and it's important and like that's great. But ultimately, that is probably not important for my business. Like it's useful, but I need to take care of my customers and then not and not be making choices that are skewed by my audience. So anyway, that was the thought that I had that I think is hopefully a useful one. Um, and I think especially as you're starting out or you're trying to make something, it's like understand what those three groups look like for you, for you and in your life. And even just being aware of it, I found in the last couple of weeks since I had this kind of realization of these distinct modes um, has been really helpful for me to just kind of understand and you know, hopefully make more informed choices as a result. And one little last thing I'll throw in here during our last 50 seconds of the episode here is um, it's also important if you're doing something to satisfy one of those two groups that isn't your customers, make sure it's not something that will actually dissatisfy your customers. Sure. It's very like if I did everything that, that the critics asked me to do, the app would become something that my customers wouldn't like as much. It would be overly complicated. It would be finicky. It would be confusing. It would have a million settings. So that's another thing that, you know, <laughs> I know this is a very last minute thing to shove in here, but you got to really be careful of that too. Absolutely. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye.